to Lingua Britannica. My name is Jess Benny smith I'm a sociolinguist working primarily with Chinese and Indonesian languages. Uh, and my name is Wes Robertson. I am a sociolinguist focusing on writing systems, particularly Japanese. Uh, Jess and I have started an article looking at the use of uh, language in metal in Asia. We decided it was kind of an interesting concept that we like to expand, realizing that uh, while metal has been studied, language use, even in English, hasn't. And so we thought we'd kind of add some data to that and begin a kind of casual podcast discussing the topic. For our first episode, we are here with uh, Andrew Hudson of Harlot. Hello. Hi. How are you doing, <laughs> I'm all right. How are you? Yeah, I'm okay. It's Friday. I'm not sure if that's relevant to the podcast, but when it's being recorded, it's Friday. Puts things in context. That's good. That's good. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we really want to ask you about how you go about writing lyrics, um, you know, what kind of inspiration you've drawn on and about particular lyrical choices that you've made as well. But before getting into all that, I just wanted uh, to ask you if you could just describe Harlot's music, just as if you were describing it for someone who's never heard of Harlot before, ever. Right. Um, well, assuming uh, familiarity with the genre, um, Harlot is, is very, uh, very much just a kind of uh, cookie cutter thrash metal band. Um, not reinventing any wheels. Um, it's just that 80s Bay Area kind of sound with a bit of that uh, German uh, Teutonic vibe that we stole from elsewhere. Um, it's you know, fast and angry music uh, with a kind of aggressive sound, I guess, you know, like most metal. Um, you know, <laughs> it kind of uh, borders on that uh, unlistenable, but um, you know, we try and keep things interesting and melodic in our own way. Not a great pitch, but it's, it's honest. It's thrash metal. What uh, what specifically attracted you to I guess metal music and that style? Did is, is thrash kind of the the genre that you've always or the subgenre that you've always gravitated to? Um, honestly, I'm not sure what um what what you know what made me land on on thrash metal as the as the one that um you know I preferred you know as much as it was that kind of gut feeling. It's you know it was the one that always excited me the most. You know I would listen to a bit of all kinds of metal, uh, particularly growing up when you go through that explorative. Uh, you know, period in your life when you discover all these different styles of the same kind of thing. Um, thrash metal was always the one that just excited me the most. I'm not sure if it was the, you know, uh, probably wasn't the image, but it was definitely something about the sound um, that sonically interested me. Um, and not just the, particularly the delivery of the vocals, I always enjoyed the most just because I don't know, it reminded me mostly of um, just kind of the aggression that matched the music. Um, you know, I certainly wasn't uh, brought up on it. Um, what, was right, first, what was your first, like, band that you... Was, your, was, was Thrash the first metal genre that you listened to? Uh, I, I think I was about seven years old when I was introduced to, like, the first ever metal band, but it was, um, you know, Metallica's Reload came out that year, and I had an older brother who had it, and that was, you know, by no means was that a Thrash metal release, but after Reload, you go back through Metallica's back catalogue, you start listening to their faster, more aggressive stuff, then you listen to Megadeth. Um, I remember the first time I heard Slayer, uh, probably wasn't the inbound um, that sonic me, um, and like, just the, particularly the delivery of the vocals enjoyed the most. So did you ever pay attention to the lyrics early on when you were first introduced to thrash metal? Um, I think I may have uh, paid a bit more attention uh, in, my, in my earlier years, um, you know, particularly with the bands that I was kind of, um, you know, the beautiful thing about like when you discover bands is you kind of discover the bigger bands. And the, the you know the bigger bands are, are bigger bands for good reasons, and uh, a lot of the time with thrash metal, um, you know, if the, the higher caliber bands just just generally had better lyrical content, so you would listen to kind of you know thought provoking and and uh, you know stuff that was you know well delivered with good imagery, um, you know, political or historical, you know, topics that were actually kind of engaging and interesting. Mm. So um, you know, uh, yeah, at, at the start you definitely pay attention to that, particularly with you know the, the Bay Area bands. Um, uh, it's less so when you move across to the 
you know, European bands that are, of course, forced to sing in a language that isn't their first. And, um, you know, often there's a bit of a translation error. Um, mm-hmm. So <laughs> some of that is a little bit less inspiring. Um, <laughs> but there's, you know, there was definitely a lot to kind of get excited about uh, when you first, particularly when you're first listening to these bands, because you've never heard, um, you know, that kind of language use and that kind of, uh, you know, those topics aren't really uh, covered much in popular music, at least. Do you remember like a specific artist or specific song that for you was fundamental? Be like, oh, you know, this is what metal lyrics sound like. This is what this 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 song's lyrics are metal. Like like that kind of conception that this is different from how other genres sing. This is how metal sings. Was there like a, a you know a specific uh, introduction to that idea? Man, um, it's hard to pinpoint. You know exactly uh, when you have that realization, but I you know everyone knows the first line of um, "Angel of Death" by Slayer. <laughs> Because mm-hmm. that is, you know, to, to open a song like that and you have that realisation, you're like, wow, you can really sing about whatever the fuck you want. Like, pardon <laughs> my French, but there is, nothing, there is nothing you can't get away with here. And, um, you know, particularly when you're a rebellious, angsty teen, you're kind mm-hmm. of like, yeah, this is going to upset people. And, you know, there's, there is that, that kind of uh, rebellion mentality when you're listening to that kind of music. Was there anything else about the lyrics that you found particularly appealing? Because when you mentioned like, you know, some of the topics that are covered in the lyrics, I was wondering, yeah, if there are any other features that really spoke to you early on? Um, there's something beautiful. I'm going to, I'm going to talk about Slayer a lot because mm-hmm. they, they, as far as I'm concerned, they are, you know, they're the, they're the yardstick that you should compare all other thrash bands to. Because, you know, there's no one is doing it better. No one's doing it better than them because they are the genre. Um, and the lyrically, um, Tom Araya's, uh, he does this beautiful kind of thing where he, he doesn't so much like describe an action or a motive or a, or a, you know, he doesn't tell a story. He just kind of dances around imagery and he just uses like dark words um, and dark phrasing to kind of invoke more of a feeling than it is like tell a tale. So he just kind of, it's like, you know, and he gets real creative with it. Um, you know, the, the way he talks about things, it just, uh, he uses, he, he just finds the right word to picture, like to conjure up the right image for these ideas, you know, rather than, uh, you know, the, the Megadeth songs where he kind of sings about things happening. Um, so do you think that kind of uh, jumping around the issue or talking about imagery feels more metal to you than talking about things kind of in, in more realistic direct terms? I, I personally avoid trying to try to trying to like talk about images. Uh, no, sorry, uh, issues. Um, just because I'm not sure if there's ever a message that I want to get across with my music so much as there is a feeling that I want to get across with the music and um, like jumping around a topic and like just kind of describing it in as many ways as you can and describing it in as like as descriptive and like, uh, like visceral ways as you can. Um, you know, often it suits the music a lot better than um, any kind of clear cut, uh, like message or call to arms that uh, a lot of other bands will try and do. Mm. I assume that means that then listeners engage with the music in a, you know, quite a diverse array of ways then. Um, quite, I'd say so. <laughs> I do get asked a lot about like, um, you know, what messages I'm trying to get across with my music. And, and like, the truth is, I'm not sure if I ever really do have a message. Um, hmm. um, so it's, it's kind of, you know, it, it, the beautiful thing about art is it's, it's, you know, open to interpretation. Like if someone hears the, you know, the things that I've written and wants to take something away from it, um, then by all means, but it's never really my intention. It's, it's more just to try and create a bit of a, an experience for whoever listens to it. I'm actually kind of surprised by that because uh, I was reading some of your lyrics and I guess maybe I was reading into them too much, but I, I thought that some of them had a, um, a message uh, that was, that was not, you know, not, not direct, like a, uh, Hey, this is the message of the song thing. But I noticed a lot of lyrics kind of talked about uh, 
society and environment. There are a number of ones that seem to critique religion. Are these not uh, messages you intended? Um, no, look, they're hundred percent. Um, you're definitely right. Uh, a, a majority of the lyrics um, are about, you know, just the, the general problems with humanity. And um, I find religion is a, you know, an inexhaustible, um, you know, barrel of just kind of, you know, uh, motivation for me to put pen to paper. But um, it's, I, they're kind of more like observations than they are like, um, if that makes sense. I just mm. kind of, I kind of write about what I see rather than about what I want or what, a, you know, what I think should be the case. I just kind of, you know, these things really, happen and we're yeah. all aware of it. I think that's a really interesting comment because other musicians that we've spoken to have kind of said similar things. Uh, you know, even in the case where their lyrics do seem to have quite overt political messages, they've said that, you know, that's not necessarily a message that they intend to convey. And I, I suppose I wonder if um, this is something that's quite kind of essential to metal in some ways, in, in a way that kind of uh, differentiates it from other similar genres. Um, yeah, did you have any thoughts on that, I suppose? Well, I guess, you know, we do live in a, we do live in a pretty, um, you know, this is like the peak of cancel culture as well. So there's, mm. there's a possibility that the people aren't really willing to stand behind their messages that mm-hmm. they their art. Uh, there is also the fact that, you know, these, these kind of songs and these, like, you know, uh, these anti-establishment, anti-government, anti-religious, you know, these themes aren't new in music and, um, you know, nothing's changed so far. So there's not much point in trying to get too, um, too involved in it. Mm-hmm. You just write about what you see and you, you know, the, you know, the music that I write suits, uh, you know, the ideas that you get across with those words. It's not so much, yeah. It's just the observations rather than the actual um, message. But those observations have some kind of message to them, right? In a way, like, because they are based on how you feel about things to some extent, right? If, like, if someone, if someone came up to you and said, uh, I, like your mean- I like your lyrics because they're so meaningless, would, how would you feel about that? <laughs> I'd be devastated that someone had gotten to the root of my art. So um, I, I write deliberately obtuse phrases in some of the lyrics just because of, you know, I, I appreciate the way they sound and I acknowledge that they can be interpreted in several different ways. And, you know, I love, you know, I love using double meanings in some of my phrases and uh, I try and, I do try and leave a little bit of interpretation to how you want to, you know, pull apart the words. Um, so it's, you know, no one's, I don't think people come up to me and go, you know, that song really spoke to me because, you know, it's it's how I felt at this particular time in my life. But I definitely... Yeah, <laughs> to have someone say that they were nonsensical would be, you know, a little bit hurtful, but it's fine. <laughs> Conversely, I guess, have you ever listened to a metal song that you thought was like really, really good in terms of the music, but the lyrics were just not metal and it kind of ruined oh, things? All the, all the time. I consistently listen to bands that either overreach or um, under target, like the, something that just doesn't really suit what they're trying to do. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm an aggressive a critic on, on everyone else's craft and I'm not gonna I'm, obviously I'm not gonna name names because I yeah, can't recall fine. them yeah, live sure. of me but like um also no, no need to make enemies today <laughs> no, yeah I've got, I've got enough um uh one of the things that'll happen when you go overseas and, and and play tours is uh you know in every city that you play people in the local band will come up and give you an album and they'll be like mm-hmm. you've got to listen you know check this out I really like your band here's my band's album and you're always super thankful and, and you do actually listen to it you know just throw it straight in the bin but there's there's like an anything goes with lyrics kind of um like level of commitment in some of these bands where they'll be singing, you know, the, the music's okay, but the guy's just going, you know, he just sings about how he reaches for his knife and how he stabs you in the throat and how he watches the blood come out. And he just kind of <laughs> describes like a blow by blow stabbing someone to death. And it's not interesting. It's not creative. It's not artistic. And it ruins the song because it's so cringe. Is there a difference between how a band that's known for that kind of stuff, like maybe Cannibal Corpse does it compared to how those bands do it? 
Well, you know, Cannibal Corpse lyrics, you have to look up. No one's listening to that band <laughs> being like, I can't believe what this bloke is saying. You, you, you read the words in the booklet and go, I can't believe that what's what he was saying. It's, it's not a part of the, the music. Like, um, you know, the, the, the actual sonic experience of Cannibal Corpse isn't the things that he's saying. It's the sound that he's making. And, uh, you know, they... Where do the lyrics fit in then for you? As, as part of the shock marketing. <laughs> okay, I can say whatever I want about that band. They're on the same record label. <laughs> But like, if you looked up the lyrics and they were like, you know, Kumbaya, my lord, Kumbaya, um, that would impact the, the metalness of Cannibal Corpse a little bit. I listen to, on a regular basis, I listen to a band called Mortification. Um, and they're a, they're a Christian death metal band from Melbourne. They've been around since the 80s. And, uh, you know, their albums are like, a lot of their songs are about like the, the, you know, the chapters of the Bible that kind of get brushed over, like characters like the Mephibosheth and, um, mm-hmm. you know, the Scrolls of the Megaloth. And, like just because they're not singing about you know death and murder and destruction they're singing about you know uh angels influence on man um it can still be delivered in an aggressive way mm-hmm. um and i haven't found that it detracts from the sound of the music too much or the feeling of the music but you will definitely get a bit of shit if you wear their merch in public <laughs> <laughs> so where's that line then there's in like when you read metal lyrics like at what point does it feel like it's not metal to you like you know when do you read something and say like this does just does not fit my definition of metal lyrics well i mean you know metal's so broad like you can get away with absolutely anything you want like both musically and lyrically and it's it's not so much that i don't think it's metal as it is it's it's metal that does absolutely nothing for me well the, um, what, what what makes lyrics do nothing for you metally i suppose to rephrase oh, <laughs> metally um <laughs> what's what metally misses my metal mark um mm. honestly that's a hard one to I want to answer because I don't listen to the bands that do it. <laughs> like, I will unashamedly listen to, to pirate metal bands and, and those. Um, oh, hang on. Here's one. Uh, songs about beer. Okay. Songs, about, songs about beer and drinking can fuck off. <laughs> like, it's, su- it's such, a, like, such a sad kind of market ploy to just kind of acknowledge the, you know, the culture of alcoholism in this genre and be like, let's write a, write a song for the people that should really call their children more often. <laughs> Is it just like the lack of creativity there that really grinds your gears? Oh, or? It really, yeah, and like, I mean, if someone wrote an incredible song about Pinot Noir and was like beautiful with it, I'd be stoked. But it's always <laughs> just about drinking beers and swilling rum and, and you know, but, uh, it's, just, it's, it's uncreative and unadventurous and, and um, yeah, it destroys art as far as I'm concerned. So do you say language use in general in metal that seems uh, one note or uncreative, like that doesn't have any peculiarity or uh, isn't doing something new or at least individual is something that you find to be, uh, again, we don't want to say not metal, but not what you're looking for in metal. Yeah. It's yeah. Look, there's, there's certain topics that, you know, don't do much for me. And there's, I think particularly there's like deliveries of, of topics that don't do anything for me. And I think the thing that annoys me about the, you know, the drinking songs is because it's such a, like a, a bass and crass kind of topic, um, and, you know, because of the target market, you're not going to write, you know, thought provoking and, and like, a, you know, a elegant songs about drinking beer because that's not who it's for. So, you know, the way people the way people sing, uh, the way people write their lyrics for these songs about those kind of topics, they do it in a really direct, um, you know, no bullshit kind of manner. And that kind of thing just doesn't excite me. Is this it can happen, it can happen on 80 topics. Not bass and crass in a way, though. Sorry? Like you mentioned, you know, like a lot of 
like especially in like death metal and stuff, the, the songs about just murdering people, would that not fit in the bass and crass kind of? I mean, especially to an outsider. Oh yeah, it absolutely does. Okay. <laughs> there's, I mean, there's creative ways and like of of um, talking about your your you know fame and distaste for a person and, and the and the things that you fantasize about doing to them, and then there's you know really just blunt and to the point um, songs about uh, inflicting trauma, mm. and you know you know there's there's going to be a thousand examples of, of almost exactly the same song lyrically um, or like, you know, content wise that are approached in two very different ways lyrically. And mm. one of them is kind of, you know, one of them's dancing around a topic and kind of, you know, building up a bit of a, a tension or like an, you know, an artistic enthusiasm and the other one's just uh, straight to the point And, you know, I mean, you've, you've read the, you brought up Cannibal Corpse. You've, you've read the way, the way those lyrics are written. They, yeah. they are, if, you know, if nothing else, they are colourful and creative in the way that they talk about the most disgusting topics that you could possibly put in a song. Sure. Mm. So then is it more like uh, the expression rather than the subject matter that's important to you then? I think so. And I think it might be my high school uh, debating that um, that kind of got me. It's, it's, a, it's a manner of a matter kind of hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. you, you could make any topic um, good if you uh, lyricise it in the right manner. And you could make it the most exciting thing in the world quite bland if you um you know got paul jennings to write it like <laughs> speaking of high school well, that, um, that leads to kind oh, of an interesting question then like how would you go about rendering a topic that you wouldn't necessarily associate with metal metal i don't know but you've given me a challenge for album five <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome I, well, you, 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 I think you have to write a song about drinking beer and make it uh, interesting I, uh, yeah. that's look that's one thing i've promised myself i'll never do mm -hmm. is i will never do the, the alcohol song I, I, I succumbed pretty hard when I wrote the old, the classic, every thrash metal band at some point, well, particularly the old ones have got a song that's just about the band. Mm. Um, you know, there's like, there's the, the whiplashes and the, I can't remember what the Megadeth one is, but there's always like a song that's just about the band. Um, and I, I kind of, you know, half did one of those and I felt disgusting enough doing that, but um, I'll at least <laughs> never do the alcohol song. But I will write a really dark, um, a dark kind of ode to the, uh, you know, repotting and cutting of, camellias using a rooting hormone so there's there's my topic that i'll make a metal song about looking forward to it yeah, speaking of uh, high school debate though and stuff um <laughs> is when did you start writing metal lyrics was that was were you doing that in high school or was the first time you actually sat down like put pen to paper and was like i'm gonna write the lyrics to a metal song i would have been a good 14 15 um well you know because uh, the band's been around a lot longer than i'm it was one of those high school battle of the bands kind of um, mm. things and as much as the lineup that existed that day um as, as well and truly gone um it was you know it was that point that i started the band and, and the movement and and moved from there and you know i was writing songs as a 16 17 year old boy and i was writing words for them and they were inspired legitimately by items that i found in um in diablo 2 <laughs> just because i was clutching onto anything because you know that's fine i've got lyrics from from dota and warcraft hmm. i've got lines that just items there's a battle fury there's a is a you know i found a shield with my <laughs> necromantic character called pain emblem and that was one of the first songs i ever wrote <laughs> do you, is there a difference between how you're writing back then and how you write now like how, how do you how do you see different i definitely hold myself to a higher standard now. <laughs> <laughs> and but, yeah, as we were saying like it doesn't really matter what, what it's about as long as you kind of approach it in a manner that makes it sound good to the music it's you know you can write a song about a shield if you want to <laughs> Okay, so, I mean, does that mean that you've uh, engaged with metal in different ways across, you know, the time in which you've been involved in the scene? 
Um, oh, yeah, it's it's you know um, I don't want to do it because I know you're you know you had other interviewers, but it was such a long time ago. It's it's kind of hard to remember what motivated you at that point. But there was definitely a time in my in my younger life where I was much more kind of uh, into the metal thing than I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, it was you know you know when you would like live and die for it when you were mm-hmm. a kid. Like it was yeah. all you cared yeah. about. You used to doodle on your um, you know, on your desk at school and and you know draw pentagrams on your uh, textbooks. Um, there was definitely a time when I took it a little bit more seriously, and um, uh, that's that's possibly when I was. I guess at that point I would have decided what I wanted to sing about. Um, and the only thing that I've kept from that is the way in which I I lyricize uh, those those ideas. You know, the okay, things great, that I... that's what that's what I was going to ask about next. Yeah, it's like, oh, you know, if that, sorry, mate. If, uh, <laughs> no, no, that's great, actually, because, yeah, I wanted to know, like, if, uh, you know, those differences in how you're engaging with and perceiving metal have influenced uh, changes in how you've written metal lyrics. Um, there's, you know, there's something that I'm really horribly guilty of. And if you've read my lyrics, you'll, you'll know that I um, like a lot of my lines are just kind of standalone lines. Like if I do a verse uh, of eight lines, it'll be eight kind of just standalone phrases. Um, mm-hmm. And that's something that I definitely still hold on to because I found that it's uh, not only um, not only is it really easy, <laughs> it's an easy way to turn out like because I got to I got to put a lot of words to these songs because I write them with like um, you know just vocal phrasing in mind, and then when I sit there I go fuck, this is like eighty four syllables that I've got to put into this you know twelve second um, <laughs> you know segment. Um, so breaking it up into little little ideas is the easiest way to just like. Like, like just kind of quick fire little phrases off and little ideas and um i've been doing that for as long as i've ever i've ever written lyrics um and you know i think that's again that's slayer's fault i think world painted blood was some of the best vocal deliveries and like lyrical ideas i ever heard and i've just kind of used that that is a cookie cutter for the rest of my life you mentioned earlier that you know you, you didn't want to go into like a specific topic or have like clear like this is you know my opinion kind of thing but uh it seems like you do spend a lot of time writing and revising you know your lyrics would you can would i mean it would be a stretch to say that the lyrics of your music are an extremely important part of your art right um they, they are there's something that i'm really proud of um and as far as like revising them and um you know going over them is concerned it's a majority of that is just making sure that i haven't invented too many words um because <laughs> sometimes there's you know, I've used words that I've, you know, I know they're not actually, you know, um, you know, you wouldn't get any points for it on um, letters and numbers or countdown. Um, mm. But they, <laughs> you know, when there's a word that's not a word, but if you write it down and someone reads it, they know exactly what you mean. Well, I believe you used the word uh, hierophobia in one of your songs. And I, did have, yes. I don't, I, I did find Google hits for it, but there were not many. So I think, <laughs> I don't know if that clar- uh, classifies the word, but yeah, I, 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 yeah. is that what you're um, talking about? Again, there's a, there's a character in the third act of Diablo 2 uh, called the Hierophant. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, obviously, hierophobia, just you know, applying the religious hiero part and just <laughs> saying that you're scared of it. 76 results on Google for hierophobia. Uh, and 20, the question, 24 of them are going to be download links yeah. for pirate sites <laughs> for my music. It is interesting. Did you mean heterophobia? Is, is heterophobia. Yeah, <laughs> Google, Google thinks that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, that, that might have been what I meant. Um, <laughs> I do a lot of revision on my lyrics um, just to make sure that I don't take too many liberties. And there's a lot of the time where I've picked a word um, because it'll sound good um, or because it'll fit, you know, the, you know, the amount of syllables I need. Um, but then I need to do a quick thesaurus check to make sure that I haven't taken too many liberties with how I'm applying it. Have you ever so, uh, looked at a lyric and been like, this just isn't metal enough and then changed it? Yeah, definitely. Do you have a, like, a concrete example? 
I couldn't tell you because I got rid of it so long ago. Like if those lines don't make the cut, they're gone and I banish them from my mind. There definitely would have been phrases that were just kind of too plain, like, you know, a whole line of, of one or two syllable words. And I'm like, that's not good enough. That's, I need to get more creative there. I need to sub something out and make it a bit more dire or um, evil, or I need to stop using um, uh, proper nouns. Too many yous and wees and, and theys and whatnot. Um, yeah, I can't. I could not recall a single line um, that made, that didn't make the the cut. But if I did recall them, I'd probably be too proud to admit them and read them out <laughs> to you now. I was wondering because you talked about um, you know matching the lyrics to you know the music. Um, you know, what's the process there? As in, do you write uh, you know because I know you write the music as well. Like, do you write the music first and then like write lyrics to fit that or like yeah, that, they I'm, I'm, sequentially? I'm, I'm a music uh, music first kind of man. Um, mm -hmm. so it's, it's usually like the whole song will get penned start to finish. Um, and you know, only rarely will I have like a, a, a concept or a, or something I want to write a song about or something, you know, sometimes I'll just think of a really cool phrase and go, and go, Ooh, that'll sound great in a chorus. And then I'll, I can build a whole song off that. I'll be like, all right. So I've picked a theme. I'm going to write a song about that at some point. And then I'll, <laughs> once I've written the song, I go, right now I'm going to put in everything else around it knowing that there's that one line in the chorus that I was really stoked with. So the, the <laughs> lyrics and the music definitely uh, work together. It's not like one comes as an afterthought. Uh, yeah, there's sometimes, sometimes when it's like a, a, you know, a lyrical idea will drive uh, the song, particularly if I've got, um, you know, sometimes themes don't want, um, you know, a certain sound. Like, you know, there's, there's songs, I'm, I'm, obviously I'm guilty of writing really just kind of like a head bop and thrash metal it's like you know it's there's nothing minor about it it's all just like catchy hooks and fast riffs and you can't write like really dark lyrics about those you kind of have to write the angrier f stuff or the more psychotic and manic um songs about those why not so, um i i it, it would it would sit wrong with me obviously you could but that's it's not something that i would do which i guess is um you know the only thing i can answer for t in today's is, is the <laughs> these are the things <laughs> that i do and this is how i go about my process um so by dark, you mean more kind of the themes that you'd see in like maybe black metal or? Yeah, there's definitely more of, um, yeah. Uh, I, don't, I, I would have sent you the lyrics to the fourth album, but there's a couple of songs on that that are more kind of, uh, I don't know, uh, dismal, I guess is, is a word for it. They're more kind of uh, songs that revolve around like hopelessness and um, being lost rather than they are about killing everyone and, and uh, the fact that God's <laughs> a bastard. Um, and you know, when you write songs like that, you need to, when you know that that's what the like the song's going to be about like you may not have the lyrics but you know that you know you've got this chorus line and you know that the song's going to be about this you need to keep that in mind when you write the the music itself because you need to make sure that it's kind of uh, you know cohesive to the theme um so i do that a little bit uh, not i'd say 90 percent of the time i write a whole song start to finish with lyrics uh, with word uh, sorry music and then i'll put lyrics to it later uh, but there's a couple of examples where i would have written you know, uh, music dependent on a lyrical theme that I was definitely going to go with for that piece. I have no idea if that's what you asked me about. Like, yeah, no, no, that's this, this. Yeah. You just got an answer. It's a good one. Yeah, no, that's great, actually. Yeah, because I mean, is, is it mostly when the, um, like the theme of the lyrics is going to be very divergent from what you would normally do that then you have to like break from the practice of writing the music first and then writing the lyrics later? Yeah, it's very much the case of when you when you know that these lyrics are going to be a little bit um, removed from what you're used to, from your wheelhouse, if you will. Uh, mm -hmm. you, you need to pay special attention to make sure that the uh, music is befitting to that. Um, you know, they, and it can be as simple as you know a, 
a, a run that you're doing, you know, an opening riff and you just, you move a couple of notes around, you can change it from being like quite a, a powerful or staunch feel uh, to be, you know, a kind of decrepit feel. Like you can, it's, it's all about majors and minors and, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, it's knowing when to use majors and when to use minors can uh, really make or break uh, the feel of a song. There's a little bit of a risk in thrash that, like, compared to against something like Cannibal Corpse, uh, your lyrics are a bit more intelligible. Like, you might act, people might actually hear it the first time and understand what you're saying. Well, I, I kind of pride myself on being reasonably um, uh, intelligible. Intelligible. I was going to say that, and I thought it was wrong. I was about to say legible. That's even more wrong. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I kind of pride myself on on a delivery where you can listen to it and and um, you know pick out the words if you so choose to. Um, and it, like, it, it has. You know, because that being part of the sound, it has made me um, work a lot harder to make sure that, you know, if people were going to sit there and decipher what it was I was yelling about, that they would, uh, you know, that they would see that it, it is um, appropriate to the music. So um, I do put a lot of a lot of work into making sure that um, not only can I be understood, but the things that I'm saying are understandable. Are you ever concerned then that, uh, you know, you'll include something that's going to receive a response that you don't anticipate? Uh, you kind of let go of that after a while. You, <laughs> you, you know, you pay uh, special attention. You're really kind of nervous the first kind of few times that you put music out. Um, and then there's this, once it's out there, it's done. Like it's out of your mm -hmm. hands by then. And people will interpret any way they, they want. And people do. And people often come to me and say that, you know, their favorite piece on this album was this song. And, and you know that that was the one that you put the least amount of effort into because you never know <laughs> what people are actually going to enjoy. Um, and so there's, there's like an anxiety about how it's going to be received right up until the point where it actually is received and then you stop caring. Mm. Mm. Well, I suppose at this point, you also know your audience pretty well. So yes. you have an idea of how they're going to interpret it, right? Yeah. And if any of them can be bothered to pick up a dictionary, I, I, <laughs> I look forward to them telling me exactly what they think of the lyrics. This is actually, uh, this leads to a question we're going to ask later, but might as well bring it up. Uh, assuming that you, you assume that some of your fans uh, might not understand some of the words that you use, I guess, first, why do you use them? And do you think the use of these hard to understand words is really key to producing um, metal vial lyrics? Um, uh, well, I, I particularly feel sorry for, um, uh, you know, the, uh, the foreign listeners of mine. There's a lot of um, people in South America that uh, get into the music as well as a lot of them. Um, I don't have to worry about Germans. Their English is often impeccable. But um, a lot of the Spanish and Italian fans that we have, you know, I, I can imagine they would have a difficult time knowing uh, what a lot of what I'm singing about is. Um, but I don't really want to, I don't so much want to pander to, you know, the expectation as I do want to write lyrics uh, for my own requirements. And I, <laughs> I'm way too intellectually insecure to let things go out that aren't, that like don't sound super smart. Mm. Like I need to, I need to project myself as some kind of, uh, you know, modern day words with. Well, we had an interview with a, a musician um, from Japan who actually also said that he likes to play it being a scholar in his lyrics. And I'm just curious, like, why do you think that uh, lyrics which have kind of big words, earlier in this interview, you even mentioned like, oh, there aren't enough syllables in this word. I, I know yeah. more syllables. Why do you feel that's kind of important to, to lyrics, to making metal lyrics, especially, I suppose? I mean, it's, it's more, of a, a, um, more of a coincidence that you know, all the big syllable words happen to be the, the most enjoyable ones to, to, you know, to both use and to, to hear as far as I'm concerned. It's, you know, it's a beautiful thing about the English language is like the, it's so diverse and there's so many obscene amounts of ways of saying exactly the same thing that you would be a fool to just go with the basic one that everyone knows when you could, when you could find one that's got a bit more of a, a particular feel. You know, there's, there's ways of saying um, 
exactly the same things that might have a more percussive nature or they might have a more like elongated nature or they might have more of a direct nature and you know depending on what you need to fill in a in a piece of music there's so many different ways that you can like say the same thing but have it fit um you know fit the music that you're that, that you're um writing and so you know i, I write fast music and I put heaps of words in as like as many syllables in as I can, because it helps the frenesity of the song. Like if you're, you know, you could say the same thing in, in 15 syllables that you could in, in nine, but if you say it in 15 syllables in the same amount of time, it's going to sound faster and it's going to sound more manic. Um, so with that in mind, I always try and find the larger ways of saying things um, so that I can, you know, kind of uh, get the same point across. Um, but with more of a manic feel and um, those larger words, I try and find the ones with the hard kind of consonants or the, um, you know, at least the, the darker sounds to them. What gives it that darker sound then? Um, like to your ear? Well, it's, you know, because of what they've been historically used for in the past. It's, it's not so much that the word itself has a, has, um, you know, a, a sound that makes you, you know, weep, but uh, there's, you know, there's certain words that only get used in certain situations. And, and you know, those mm -hmm. situations are always the grim or the dire or the morose or the morbid. And you, um, and if you use those words more, obviously you're going to conjure up, you know, what everyone associates those words with. And it just helps finish the feel. So would you say that uh, certain words have a history that's a bit more metal than others? Uh, yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely words that are totally acceptable to use. Um, in, in everyday conversation that, that people don't because of, you know, because of what they've historically been used for in the past. But, um, but those words are absolutely fair game if you're writing metal songs. Is that true about uh, your band name in a way? Because I mean, Harlot, for instance, uh, yes. <laughs> is certainly a word with a number of, of synonyms. Uh, but like, is the, is the word Harlot metal in a way that a word like prostitute or like thought is not? Uh, did you say thought? Yeah. You can, you can even put two T's at the end. Like <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, the two T's at the end of Harlot is for some reason uh, people were saying Harlow, and I shit you not. Um, <laughs> I thought it was a reasonably common word that, that everyone understood, um, but evidently not everyone listened to Les Miserables as much as I did uh, in their youth. So, um, yeah, I put the extra T on there to make sure everyone realised that it was a hard T, um, and it just kind of stuck, and I never saw a need to change the band name, um, despite how many questions you'll you get in interviews <laughs> people in people in europe going do you actually know what the word means and you're like of course i do i speak english um <laughs> and yeah this is something i've been wearing for a long time but uh band name changes are a difficult thing to do and i think there's there's been a thousand times that i've possibly tried to justify the use of that word in a band name to say that it does fit with the image and it does fit with the theme but the truth is it was just a cool sounding word when i was 15 years old but do you think that, that that word specifically compared to, again, like synonyms like prostitute or something is more metal? Um, Harlot is definitely the, the most metal way of saying, um, you know, uh, I'd, it's a metal sounding way of saying Lady of the Night. Um, I don't think prostitute would work as a band name. Uh, why do you think Harlot is the most metal way of saying Lady of the Night? That hard T. <laughs> wouldn't want to call you band whore. It just wouldn't work. You have a song I mean, called whore, though. I have a song called whore. Yeah, I do. I <laughs> <laughs> I need to thank certain people in my life for inspiring that one. Um, I have a song called Whore because uh, one syllable, one syllable word song titles are kind of my jams. Hmm. Um, and as opposed to how I do my lyrics, if I'm doing a song title, you give them a, a one, one syllable word that everyone knows that is unmistakable. Mm -hmm. um, you, you absolutely know, you know, no one has to look at that and be like, I wonder what that song's about. Hmm. You go, bam, here is what the song's about. And then you, yeah, there's a lot of one syllable, one word song titles. 
Does Harlot have a history, do you think, as metal as well? Is that, is that kind of history involved in, the, in what makes Harlot a good name for you? What do you, what do you mean? Uh, like earlier you said that some words have like a history of use oh, that makes right. them more metal. Uh, is that true with Harlot? Is that, is that involved at all? Uh, oh, oh, not, not really. I wouldn't have put that much thought into it back in the day. Um, okay. But I, I, you know, I don't regret the band name. Um, and what, what was more powerful than the word was the sick logo that you can get drawn up of it. And, um, we've, had a, we've had a great logo and so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's interesting because, um, I mean, as you probably know, right, there's a pretty common practice in like, you know, metal um, band names and uh, track titles and stuff in using a lot of kind of archaic equivalents of modern day words. I was wondering yeah, if that's ever a consideration for you, you know, as it relates to Harlan. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's not a consideration, but it's definitely true. It's, um, you know, using the old school words for things is a, is a very metal trope. What about the logo? You mentioned, you know, the logo, and the logo is really cool. I think we'll try. We should try to get like a, a an image of it when we upload this. But yeah. why why are certain logos metal? Well, that's the that's the beautiful thing about uh, is a heavy metal logo. And in, in the same way that like heavy metal lyrics are, um, you know, genre dependent, and um, band names are genre dependent. Um, there's there's just a way that you can, you know, there's a way that you can draw band logos that makes you know exactly what the kind of music is. Um, you know, black metal bands have that illegible scrawl. Um, thrash metal bands have lots of points, lots of sharp lines, um, and lots of really just kind of bold in your face looks. Um, and that's, you know, an extension from the, the 80s heavy metal look, which was just, you know, there was no misinterpretation of, of what that could be. It was something that could be, you know, quite easily drawn, um, easily recognizable, um, and, and very legible, and just kind of looked pointy and sharp and, and, and metal. Um, and, you know, the logo we have for Harlot is, um, you know, all of those things. You can read it. It's, it's recognizable. It's got lots of sharp edges and lots of lines. And if you can be bothered to take the time, you can learn to draw it really quickly, which is helpful um, for when you're signing backstage rooms. <laughs> Again, these are just my thought processes. No, it's, it's great. No, it's, it's fascinating. Like, I, I, I think me and Jess will be talking about this a bit after, but you've, um, you've inadvertently uh like mentioned a lot of fundamental ideas that are part of linguistic theories um yeah <laughs> uh which has been really fascinating to kind of think about in the back of my mind like oh yeah that, that aligns with uh, this fundamental paper from like the 1990s <laughs> you're welcome yeah. <laughs> no it's great it, it's it's good because it means that like you know if we ever want to write about this we can easily put it in communication with uh, existing works so, i've already signed um, my rights to that one haven't i <laughs> Although uh, yeah, it seems like we, we could have, um, you know, developed a metal band instead of spending years and years getting a PhD, we would have come across some of the same conclusions. True. Uh, yeah, you probably keep a better caliber of people in your life. <laughs> <laughs> what about, um, uh, yeah. this, is, 20, this is a really... 2020 isn't a good year to talk about the prospects of being a musician. <laughs> <laughs> Academia is not in the uh, safest place either. Yeah. Uh, this is a, a very specific question, and it, and it may seem kind of strange, but uh, do you think there's any difference between like how Australian metal bands use language compared to bands overseas? Like, have you ever read say, a, a band's lyrics and been like, these, these, these people are Australian? Uh, only, only if they're making it really obvious that they're Australian. And there is some really like cringy bands that will play off the Australiana thing because uh, you know, when, you, when you do go overseas um, to play shows, uh, you'll have so many people telling you that you should be writing songs about crocodiles and kangaroos and, and going walkabout. Because, um, you know, they, they don't care about your artistic integrity. They're just telling you the, the dumb shit that they want to hear. And um, <laughs> some, some bands do come back from those tours and go, you know what, there might be a, you know, a dollar in this and they will, write, they will write deliberately Australian things and they will record their vocals in a de deliberately ocker manner. Um, 
and that's the only time I can think that it, that it happens because uh, the rest of the time, every every Australian band is doing their best to emulate the United States in their sound, uh, both, mm, both, both in the content of their lyrics or and in the accent in which they deliver them. You don't think there's that's any local innovation going on that that pushes back against or or challenges some of the norms that have come out of the US? I, if there is, I haven't heard it. If, if there is, if there is a song that you would consider to be um, completely, you know, completely, uh, what's the word I'm after? A song that's got nothing to do with Australia or nothing to do with being in Australia or being an Australian, um, a, a, just a general topic. I can't think of any examples where there's a particularly Australian way that it's being delivered. Hmm. Um, hmm. Not in all my years of, of having uh, heard songs or, or listened to them. And um, obviously we know that you're familiar with scenes overseas. Like, would you say then that like the scene in Australia is kind of comparable to that, that you'd see elsewhere in the English speaking world? Um, the, I think Australia's scene is actually, everyone talks about how great the Australian bands are and you kind of, you, you know, you go, well, if it's, if it's all you've ever played with, it's all you've ever known, then it's understandable. But, um, and you know, you compare it to the success and fame that you see, you know, all these overseas bands having, um, and it isn't until you go over there and you and you realise that there is just as many, you know, uh, B grade bands in in every other country in the world <laughs> as there are in Australia that you realise the 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 selling point and the unique experience that you get in Australia is because of how enormous this country is and um, how relatively small the population is. Uh, you need to work extremely hard to get uh, anything to work for you. So, uh, you know, the 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 okay bands in Australia are. Um, uh, like like a really high caliber uh, by like European standards, like bands of Australia that are at the same level um, when they you know when they go overseas they realise that the I don't know how to describe this you can get away with a lot more in in Europe because it's so much easier to play to full nightclubs hmm. and, you can, and you can tell that with the bands when you watch them and you listen to their music you go you guys aren't even trying whereas we have to we have to spend like 15 grand just to get overseas mm. to do anything so you know it's only happening to the ones that are really willing to work quite hard do you think there are like lyrical like topics or themes that um i suppose are received really well in australia that maybe like aren't received as well overseas or vice versa i should know i should know that because i know there's there's been a couple of examples where people have questioned me about like a song that goes off in australia but overseas they're like why would you sing about that I can't remember which ones they are in particular. It might actually be heretic. <laughs> right. But the problem is, it's because I make a joke about a song being called Hairy Dick. Um, and in Europe, they don't realize that it's a joke. So afterwards, they're like, why would you write a song about your penis? And you go, I didn't. Do you think, um, like, Australia, maybe not in the lyrics that are printed, but do you think uh, at an Australian show, maybe there's a bit more uh, acceptance of humor or... Yeah, there's some countries. Yeah, there's some countries where it doesn't go down at all. Um, uh, obviously, you know, a lot of that's uh, the language barrier. Um, I try and be amusing in between songs. Um, it's just something I've always uh, felt comfortable doing. And you do have to modify it for, you know, the the, the countries in which English is less of a, you know, less of a staple for them. Um, you can still make the same kind of jokes, but you just kind of have to simplify them a bit more and make uh, make the the hand and the face gestures a lot more flamboyant to get your point across so that they can see the manner in which you're trying to interact with them. In some, uh, you know, subgenres of metal and scenes, it seems that humor in general is just out. Do you feel it's difficult to work humor into um, metal or are you just fine with it? I'm, I'm fine with it and it's never got me in too much trouble. Um, and I think the less seriously you take it, the more um, upset people will get if you're really good. Um, <laughs> and, you know, uh, 
Uh, it just seems silly to me to take metal um, that seriously in this day and age um, when everyone's just doing it out of a love for the for the music. No one's really making a living out of this, um, at least at my level. So if you're not, you know, having fun with it and, um, you know, I don't know why you would do it. And the good mm. thing about having fun it? with it is you can see bands, when, when the bands are having fun doing what they're doing, you can see it and it makes you enjoy it more. It's mm. like when you watch a terrible sitcom, like the jokes mm. might not be funny, but, you know, they put a laugh track in there for a reason. It's so that you feel more comfortable uh, enjoying humour. And if you're watching a band that are just kind of laughing and having a good time, you're going to have a laugh and have a good time. Is that true in the lyrics too? If you read the lyrics, do you think like, oh, they spent, this was like something that was fun to write. They've put a lot of thought into this. That makes the, the entire experience more enjoyable. Uh, oh God. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. Um, I, I appreciate like well-crafted lyrics, but you know, you know, sometimes things only bother you when they're really bad. And like mm. the different, like the difference between incredible lyrics and good lyrics isn't as big of a difference as there is between like, okay, lyrics and bad lyrics. Mm-hmm. Like you mm. can, I can, I can be completely turned off by a band if their lyrics are terrible, but I'm not going to be like disappointed in a band because their lyrics were just okay. Mm. So to what extent would you say that that kind of like um, human driven uh, approach to lyrics and crowd engagement is kind of particular to thrash? I'm just wondering, you know, in comparison to other subgenres of metal. Um, it's, it's probably less common in thrash metal. Um, thrash metal does take itself. Oh, interesting. I, yeah, I, I feel that at least, um, mm. you know, uh, the larrikinism, um, in particular, but you know, that's, that's a more of an Australian thing. Um, like if you, you know, Australian bands are more often than not willing to employ humor in their sets, um, than, than overseas bands typically would. Um, but you know, on a global scale, uh, thrash metal is a, a bit of a serious genre. Um, and particularly the fan base, um, you kind of, you can't get away with too much because they do take it really seriously because they've been listening to it since the eighties. And like they, you know, people form their entire personality around heavy metal sometimes. And um, mm. so if you get up in front of a, a room full of staunch Polish gentlemen who have been listening to metal since you were, you know, you know, years before your conception, um, if you get up there and, and take the piss out of their, uh, you know, beloved um, music, uh, you can get yourself in a lot of trouble. So you have to, you know, there's certain genres that I think that would be more um, more true of than others, particularly in metal. You know, there's some genres that are meant to be fun, um, and obviously you can make as much, you can make as many jokes as you want in those kind of sets. Um, but yeah, stuff like thrash, you need to <laughs> you need to be respectful. I think if you were making jokes and also your band sucked, you'd be in a lot of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not all the, always the way. I don't think that flies too well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was just thinking like in comparison to, I don't know, like let's say black metal and like grindcore on the other you know, side of the spectrum, you know, where the kind of humour fell in thrash because I, I don't know that I necessarily have a good frame of reference for um, humour and thrash. Oh, I think, uh, yeah, the, the point between black metal and grindcore is probably a really good, um, really good yardstick for it because, you know, I, I don't think I've ever seen a, a black metal band uh, have too much fun with the, um, with the genre. Um, it's, it's definitely the least it's definitely the least humorous of the music um, and it, because it's such a because uh, it's you know as, as a music it's so much more steeped in like the image and the and the atmosphere uh, than it is the music um, at least as far as I'm concerned it, it lends itself a lot less to making jokes and having fun on stage but um, I don't think I've ever seen a grindcore band not make jokes at some point mm. so having yeah I guess a balance between those two is, is being really true to the image and the the stage show and the seriousness of it all but also like having a bit of a having a bit of a laugh with it one thing about uh your lyrics for a thrash band that kind of surprised me is that um 
well, there's been a, in research in metal generally there hasn't been much focusing on lyrics but they commonly mentioned that swearing is key to the scene and i thought especially that it might be true to thrash so i just did a quick little look and uh you don't swear very much you have nine uses of fuck across four albums zero uses of shit zero uses of bitch and only two uses of damn is vulgarity something you i use damn you use damn twice yeah what the fuck did i do that i think it's in the, i think it's in the form damned Oh, right. That's okay. Oh, so you just did a bit of a... a yeah, just, just a quick a quick search. Yeah. Uh, control, control. Damned, if, damned if we didn't fucking heed the words and... Why is it bold the coming storm? With pride yeah. and greed, the desirable traits, like we always wanted to see our fate. Well done. Uh, and culture <laughs> to obey, damning pulls yourself... Uh, damning pulls yourself into a mindless fray? Yes, restless till it's one, blood will flow unheeded by your you conviction. By your conviction. Yeah, so I guess no damn, just damning or, or damned. Um, is, is swearing something you try to avoid in your lyrics or? Um, definitely something I, I, you know, it's very rare that, that I think, a, 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 you know, a line would call for it. Um, mm. again, uh, you know, the fucks that I do use, um, <laughs> the fucks that I give, um, would be, uh, just to add a bit of a percussive sound to the song or to add, um, just a little bit of a emotion. Like if you, if you want it to be angry, but also kind of in that fed up relatable angry, Mm-hmm. Um, a fuck is a good, you know, everyone understands the word fuck. The whole world uses the word fuck. Um, and you can get away with it. Um, shit and crap. Absolutely not. <laughs> no way. No, in, in no way should you need to use those words in a song. As far as I'm concerned, like you can do better. Huh? So like, I'm thinking of songs like strapping a lad has just a song that's called fucker. Um, which I think is a little bit tongue in cheek, but do you consider well, yeah, that's, that's like Devin. overly? Yeah, it's Devin. Yeah. Uh, when you see a, a metal song that is full of swearing, do you find that to be a turnoff? Um, I, I just feel to be. It just comes across a bit try hard, doesn't it? Like you're wanting to, you know, impress all the all the teenage boys at your at your school. Um, yeah, I, I, it's not very creative. It's not very artistic, um, and. You know, like like in in anything, the the more you use it, the less effect it has. If you mm-hmm. fill a song with fill a song with fucks, you just it's just filler. I try and avoid it, but yeah, obviously nine times you said four albums. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I don't think for for a heavy me- for an extreme metal band, I, I think that's quite uh, a low number. Yeah, it's low. Well, I mean, a lot of the songs don't call for it. Like a lot of the songs, um, lyrically, it wouldn't make any sense to if you're singing about like uh, you know a genocide at any point for you to be like fuck. It, it just doesn't, <laughs> doesn't really work for me. <laughs> I mean, but you do say that there's anger, right, in thrashing, and swearing is, is traditionally associated with expressions of anger. You don't, you don't see any overlap there? Um, yeah, uh, but I think, you know, fuck's become such a universal word for almost anything. Um, uh, so, you know, the times that I would have used it, obviously, it's, I think it also depends on the, I think we were talking before about, like, um, you know, the, the, the sound of the music fitting in with the, with the lyrics. Um, I don't think any of the fucks that I used would have been in any of the darker songs. They'll be in the more kind of straight up, you know, balls of the wall thrash songs that I've written, where it's just kind of a, a no nonsense approach. Oh God, I sound like a marketing pitch for my own band. Um, <laughs> yeah, those, those are the times I probably would have dropped a, a fuck just just to be like, I don't know. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes a, a, a line comes at you uh, to you in a song, like when you're writing the lyrics, a line comes out, and you don't really know you've written it until you've written it down, and then it's stuck. Like you can go, I don't like that line. I'm going to change it, but nothing will ever come to you because that's what naturally came out of you. And uh, a few of those times, I think a fuck would have been in there. Interesting. In terms of like the most commonly occurring words, I did actually do a quick kind of a oh. concordance search of uh, your lyrics and stuff. Capitulations. For... Capitulations can be <laughs> right up there. 
Oh, look, I was definitely going to ask you about that, actually. Like, in general, it seems like you've got a really high number of Asian words. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, is there a particular, like, reason why you have a, you know, really strong preference for... Is it just their length, or... Yeah, what is Absolutely. it? Absolutely, it's their length. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's their length, and um, it's the infrequence, like, the infrequency that people would, you know, typically use them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'll admit there's, there's definitely times when, you know, I could use a different word, but I'll use the one that, you know, I've very rarely seen because um, it kind of, you know, it forces me to, you know, uh, work on my vocabulary as well. Like if I, if I see a word and I commit it into a song, it means that I'm going to start using it from then on because I'm, a, I'm at least aware of it. So there's, there's plenty mm-hmm. of songs where I would have never, ever seen before in my entire life or like I've only ever heard of, but I would find them and, you know, they would fit for the song. And I would be like, yep, I'm going to use that one because now... Now that's a song that now that's a word that I know. Right. Yeah. So I suppose like, what is it specifically about like those words that seems to convey that effect? Like, I mean, obviously, yeah, they are, they are longer. I'm just interested in like, um, I suppose if you're anticipating your audience not to necessarily have familiarity with these um, terms, um, I guess like what's then the design behind their use? Um, well, uh, the, the beautiful thing about anything, I think it's um, anything from like five syllables or above. Um, there's so many different ways that you can apply the, the one word like rhythmically mm-hmm. like they're like a you know there's like a you know you can do like your quick three like your quick three and then drag out the rest of the word or you can like break it into kind of like iambic pentameter almost mm-hmm. where you can just go like, like there's so many ways you can you can utilize large words um and because it's all one word it's you know uh yeah it's, it's a lot easier to get like one large word out in an interesting way than it is to get like several words you know together in an interesting way um, mm-hmm. so it's a good way of like, uh, adding a bit of creative flair and it's, you know, it's great when you're in the studio and you've got this one, one word and there's like four different ways that you'll actually deliver it, um, rhythmically. And then you'll listen back to them and be like, I think that's the one that's going to, that's the one that sounds the best. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Larger words just kind of allow you that freedom. Is there a bit of a, like, haha, check out my vocabulary kind of. Absolutely. hundred <laughs> percent. I'm not even going to lie. That's, that's very much the case. I've got, like, nothing, I've got nothing to add to that as well. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was just wondering then, is like, are you, are you trying to create a barrier for the listener or is this something that's just going to happen as a natural consequence of you trying to, you know, I suppose, draw on a more elaborate vocabulary? I don't, I don't expect people to listen to my songs and, and hear words that they don't know and be like, fuck this guy. How dare he speak to me in this way? <laughs> my hope would be that they go, what the fuck does that mean? And then, and then look it up. Like that would be, that's my perfect world is if someone comes away from listening to my album, having learnt a couple of extra words, then, you know, I've done more than most of their fucking English teachers would have done in, you know, seven years of tertiary education. Well, this is really interesting because there's, there is a a common, um, especially outside the metal scene, of course, opinion of metal is like, you know, inarticulate, low culture, uneducated, which this popular image contrasts heavily with the desire of not just you, but a lot of metal bands to, you know, use big, difficult words. Um, do you think this disconnect is just basically a, a misconception of ignorance or, or is it something that um, you think originates in a different area? Look, it's, uh, you know, um, obviously some of it's from, you know, what people would know of heavy metal, which is, um, you know, all of the, the bigger popular bands. I, 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 you know, I can only imagine how much damage Rob Zombie did to the image of, of metal lyrics <laughs> over the years. Um, of course, if you can't understand the words that someone's saying, like mm. if someone's putting a whole song together with lyrics that you can't understand my assumption would be that it's because they didn't write anything good like if, if i was a you know a non-listener of the genre you'd just be like well he's probably got nothing interesting to say so he's mumbling it and growling it um so it's you know it's 
it's mostly our fault that metal is perceived the way that it is. And, you know, we do our best to make sure that, you know, obviously not me in particular, but there's this weird kind of insistence that metal is unpopular and, you know, people seem to prefer it that way. Like people seem to prefer it to be like this underground movement that you have to be part of a special club to listen for. And like people get really angry if a Kardashian will wear a Slayer shirt and you're like, why? It's, this is great publicity for me. Like if people are going to start listening to a music that I play, I'm fine with it. But, um, you know, there's this insistence on us being like removed from the rest of society and the less people understand or appreciate what we're doing, uh, almost the better in a lot of people's eyes. And, you know, it's, you know, it's only our fault if the takeaway from it is that we have, you know, reasonably low common denominator lyrical content. So you think the, the insularity and the kind of desire to hide metal and, and keep it a secret club is preventing people from accessing that some of the, you know, uh, trends are, uh, you know, interested in things like language use or what you said, like an English teacher might teach, you know, vocabulary, uh, artistic imagery and stuff. And it's kind of being lost in partially, of course, just people not liking being screamed at, but also the metal scene trying to push away outsiders. Yeah, it's, you know, people feel what they don't understand um, and people are going to dislike things that they don't know. Uh, but, you know, it, the same thing would be said of, you know, any, any, any one of your metal, metalhead friends would probably have nothing nice to say about the, uh, the lyrics of, of any rap artist. But, um, you know, I'm sure we all know for a fact that they write some incredibly well thought out prose a lot of the time. And oh, yeah. they have, you know, like some incredible lyrical work is done by these, these artists, but because they're not what we like, we go, oh, it's obviously crap. And it's obviously moron stuff for idiots. And, you know, it's, that's, that's just how I think society works a lot of the time. Hmm. I mean, I, yeah, that leads me to... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, this is, sorry, a lot of options. So I was just wondering, have you, have you, do you think your lyrics have personally been influenced by hip-hop at all? Oh, God, no. <laughs> I know that it's good, but I don't listen to it. Okay. I'm like, everything's good. At the end of the day, every, every single genre of music has a redeeming quality because otherwise it wouldn't exist as a genre of music. Um, and regardless of whether or not I personally listen to it, I can at least, I at least know that stuff's being done creatively that I haven't heard, couldn't comprehend and won't understand. Um, but, you know, I would, never, I would never cast aside the entire, um, you know, genre based on my personal uh, preferences. But yeah, no hip hop for me. Oh, except Cypress Hill. <laughs> now, Black Sunday's a killer record. So, <laughs> so songs about, metal songs about beer out, hip hop songs about yeah. marijuana in. Absolutely. It's, okay. Well, you know, it's, it's different. It's different for them. I'm sure that's what they'll tell you at least. Metal songs, about, yeah. Metal songs about marijuana. That's that's where the future is. That's your next uh, challenge. Green, green metal. Look <laughs> it. Okay. Yeah, it's a new field. Um, so I suppose talking about like trends in um, you know metal lyrics and stuff, I, I did notice that uh, some of the words that really commonly appear in your lyrics are comparable to those that appear like more generally um, in metal lyrics, like independent of subgenre, like such as uh, you know uh, lexemes, which are like a collection of words that conjugated differently relate to the same kind of core word, which is uh, you know death, blood, um, you know, war, yeah. battle, um, you know words to do with like life, um, general yeah, for, reference for to like. Stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah, I suppose so, yeah. I mean, I suppose, do you think that's kind of like uh, representative of the common themes that permeate your lyrics and I suppose uh, metal lyrics more generally? I'd say that's um, pretty standard to, to be singing about those kind of things uh, for this, this music. The, you know, the line that I always give, um, you know, interviews when they ask me about, you know, uh, where I get my lyric ideas, I just tell them that it's angry words for angry music because, um, you know, obviously, if you're writing uh, aggressive music, you need to have something to be aggressive about. And um, it's always been difficult uh, living such a privileged existence as I do 
um, <laughs> you know, the eastern suburbs of uh, Melbourne, Australia. Um, really haven't ever wanted for anything. Um, and it's, it's hard for me to, you know, personally write about, um, you know, struggles or um, issues or, my, you know, my own battles. Um, but it's very easy to write about, you know, uh, the, the evil that men do on a global scale and the, and the horrible things that have happened historically and will continue to happen because that's, you know, uh, you know, the general perception on human nature. Right. Well, that's been something I found quite interesting about your lyrics is when there is kind of reference to violence, often it's uh, produced in a way that I, I suppose I wasn't really expecting, which is it seems to be um, oftentimes uh, in reference to either um, a group of people or even like humanity or, um, you know, yourself as a speaker um, speaking as a violent entity. Like it seems to be less of, uh, I suppose, a common trope of um, the singer kind of producing lyrics that I suppose could be interpreted as um, as if the speaker is enacting violence on the listener, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I, like I've got to... Um... Sorry, I can reframe that question if you like, there's quite no, a no, long window. It's all right, because I was, I was genuinely thinking, because I, I do have some violent, like, uh, lyrical songs, um, you know, particularly about, you know, the, you know, songs from the point of view of a violent man inflicting yeah. know, carnage and aggression upon other people. And it's, um, it's something that interests me, because, like, violence um, is, is a terrifying kind of concept. It's not something that I've ever... It's not, not something that I've ever really, you know, uh, leaned into or, or struggled with personally, but I, you know, we all know people or we've all witnessed, um, like, how much, like, that kind of bloodlust can take over a person. And, like, people mm -hmm. that, you know, will act outside of reason or, or logic or, you know, you know, even a situation and they will, you know, it's like, you know, that primal thing gets tapped at, you know, um, obviously the, you know, ancestral recombinant DNA that tells them that they need to, to murder anything that might be a threat or a, or a challenge or a, you know, a competitor to them. And it's, it's kind of like, it's a, a scary concept that you would not be able to control that. And I've, I've definitely written songs about being in that situation about like, not, not only like not being able to control your urges, but like lusting for them and like uh, reveling in the kind of, you know, desire to inflict carnage. Well, I see um, an interesting kind of, I don't want to say disconnect, but um, opposition to something you mentioned earlier, which is that, for instance, you said that you believe religion is the cause of a number of ills, and this kind of motivates you to write songs about uh, religion. So there's some kind of connection with your belief, but you then say that you've never really committed violence, and but you like writing kind of songs from that perspective. Do you ever struggle to differentiate, like, this is a song that comes from something I believe versus this is a song that's just a concept I'm exploring. Like I, I endorse this message, but I'm taking distance from this message. I'm just exploring it. Is that something you, you ever struggle with or have you had fans have been like, Oh man, I, I love like the encouragement of violence here. And you'd be like, Whoa, whoa no, I'm not. A, <laughs> that is you know. terrifying. That someone would do that, <laughs> but you know, it's, uh, I'll deserve it if it does happen because I don't exactly paint it in so much as a negative light. Mm. Uh, my, my observations of, of the evil that men do um, on, a, on a global scale and like a, you know, a, the condemnation of an entire group of peoples for their actions or an entire nation of peoples for their actions um, uh, on, on one hand, and then to, have a song from the perspective of an individual that kind of glorifies his individual actions, which is uh, at the end of the day, all that anyone can really be held responsible for. I'm not sure. I, I, I don't, I've never really uh, fine tooth combed it that much to think about um, the dichotomy that I've got going there. Um, but I might be more wary of it now. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Even more songs about camellias on the next album going. <laughs> Wes has given well, me a complex. <laughs> It's kind of interesting because, I mean, yeah, there certainly are, um, you know, many examples in your lyrics where um, you're talking about, um, I suppose, speaking as 
someone committing violence or wanting to commit violence against somebody else. But it seems like there's a lot of reference to either uh, violence that, uh, you know, the speaker yourself is experiencing or just kind of negative emotions that you're experiencing yourself. I mean, it seems like that's like a, even perhaps more common than uh, reference to violence against, you know, the hero. Um, and I suppose like I was wondering then, like, you know, relating this to the discussion of what represents your own experience and your own views and what represents, you know, kind of an idea or a concept that you're exploring that's quite independent of, you know, you yourself as a person, um, you know, like, how do you kind of navigate between like those two, I suppose, areas of expression, like, you know, talking about things that you personally experienced and personally felt versus just concepts that exist in the world and that you're reflecting on. I, I mean, in, in, in all of the albums and all of the lyrics that you've, that you've, uh, you know, that you've perused over, obviously, with, um, with, <laughs> with some detail, it seems, um, I, there's very few of those songs that I would consider to be like a personal uh, a thing for me, like a, mm -hmm. almost everything I write um, is, is based on, you know, observation of, uh, you know, uh, a, a world event or a, you know, historical event or a, even a concept that, you know, you're aware of because of popular culture. Um, there is, there's very little that I do uh, lyrically um, from, from within, I guess. Like, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Even some of the stuff that I write, even the, the, the harrowing, you know, uh, you know, the songs about how, you know, destitute, you know, situations are and, and how, um, you know, how dire our outlook is and how, you know, uh, people are kind of bred and molded into this, you know, existence that isn't terribly enjoyable for them, but, you know, they're told that it's what they should want. So they, they do it and they all, you know, just kind of march slowly onto an inevitable end for the sake of the profits of, of other people. Um, you know, those might be, you know, an artistic interpretation of, of, you know, a modern society, but it's, it's not something that particularly bothers me personally. <laughs> it's just, um, mm. it's, it's such a broad thing to, to explore that lyrically you can have so much fun with it as a song goes on about all the different, you know, the, the different ways in which, you know, uh, that existence is kind of, you know, uh, carved and molded, you know, for each individual person. I mean, do you think that, like, if you walked up to someone on the street and you're like, hey, uh, wage slave existence, that's a lot of, uh, that's a fun idea, that's fun. Uh, you might not get, you know, uh, necessary agreement, but do you think in the metal scene, people are kind of conditioned or socialized to sort of take a, uh, we are exploring these dark topics as a source of enjoyment? Uh, is that something you think that's kind of learned or accepted within the scene that might differentiate it from others? I think it's something that sings to the scene a lot. Um, as I'm, you know, as I'm sure you guys are both aware, uh, you know, the heavy metal community is, is broad and it's um, you know, broad in its strokes because it's kind of a music uh, of an outcast. And um, you know, I'm not sure if we need to go into this too much, but um, like you know, it's it's music for the people that never really fit in because they end up finding a, a, another family through it. And it's um, it's often the people of you know, it's the music of people that uh, struggle a lot with a lot of things. Um, and I just find that uh, as a general observation, you know, the idea that you know, life's pretty unfair and, and pretty intolerable and, and humankind is quite shit is a uh, quite, quite popularly shared um, within heavy metal, um, both in the bands and in the fan base. And um, if you can lyrically like acknowledge that or kind of address that, it's um, something that people can uh, get behind quite easily. It's not, not a great fun, pleasant topic. And that's why it hasn't got a huge amount of um, broad uh, appeal, but it's definitely singing to, you know, it's preaching to the choir, if you will. Do you think it's um, therapeutic in a sense? I think so. I think it would help, you know, if you hated everything and then you listen to music of, of other people talking about how it's because it all sucks, you'd at least feel validated, right? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Unfortunately, there's, there's probably people that are quite violent in nature that listen to the songs and go, ah, it's normal to want to kill people then, which is uh, un unsettling, to say the least. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, that's kind of like the interesting thing about the ambiguity that seems to uh, kind of be unavoidable when you're writing lyrics that could be interpreted as either being uh, representative of, you know, your personal experiences, your personal views, or representative of the particular kind of persona that you're embodying within that song. Yeah, that is. I don't know, I, I guess it's, it's not something that ever worried me. Um, just because of, of what this genre Ron has historically done. Like, you know, we, you know obviously Cannibal Corpse are the, the one that's going to come up, but the things, the things that they sing about um, are horrific. And it's quite often, you know, from the, the point of view of the perpetrator of those, of those horrors. Um, right. So you don't, ever, you don't ever go into a song being like, fuck, are people going to think that I actually want to do this? Because you know that, you know, it's been done a thousand times. And, when they go to a song where you're critiquing religion or something or critiquing a specific society, they might go in thinking, oh, this person has issues with religion or issues with society, right? The problem with those religious songs is it's always Christianity because that's like mm -hmm. the only one that you can kind of get away with scot-free. You, <laughs> you can say what you want about Christianity and no one's, no one's ever going to be like, hey, ease up. Like, you can't say that. Well, we actually found that um, a little bit uh, of bands that are actually located in non-Western contexts uh, do sing about non-Christian religions a lot more. Uh, well, yeah, I, I would love to write about other religions, but I know I know so little about them. Mm. <laughs> it would mm. it would be ridiculous of me to to make songs about the in in you know the influence that Islam has had on my life because it's had virtually none. Mm -hmm. So you think some kind of a, a definite like background and knowledge of the topic is really key to writing a good song about it? Uh, it definitely helps. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't write things. You know, I try not to write stuff that I, I don't know anything about. But you know. In the same way that I try and avoid conversations in which I have little to no uh, business or knowledge. Um, <laughs> you know, you... Fair enough. It's, you know, I would, why would I write lyrics about something that I didn't understand? Because, mm. um, you know, it's, if I don't understand it, how could it possibly affect me? Yeah, that, that's interesting then. Because, again, if we kind of relate that back to you know, discussions of talking about, like, your own personal experiences versus... Oh, no! <laughs> why would I write <laughs> lyrics about being a psychopath? I don't understand <laughs> that. I think, all right. But you do mention that some of the, the feelings of like, you know, uh, exploring feelings of anger or disappointment, et cetera, kind of motivate those songs in a way, right? And that's something that, you know, people feel. Yeah. I'm just, I'm really worried about anything incriminating I've said now. <laughs> no, it's just, it's interesting though, because I mean, it's kind of similar to like a really pervasive like passion for like horror that's common to like a lot of metalheads, like independent of their like enjoyment of metal music, right? It's, I wonder it's, if there's kind of yeah, a similarity there. Yeah, I guess it's all about shocking and upsetting um, with with, you know, the horror and the, and the music that they listen to. Uh, there's also, you know, mm. horror's also got that dark imagery that, you know, is attractive in, in heavy metal. But it's not shocking and upsetting to your fans though, is it? Uh, no. I've, I, I don't think anyone's ever come back to me and said, geez, you, you know, settle down, Mr. Hudson. That's <laughs> what you're saying there is a little bit much. Um, well, I wonder if it relates to what you were saying earlier regarding, like, you know, having the freedom to explore topics that you would normally, uh, you know, not necessarily feel perhaps able to explore at least as openly outside of the metal scene. Yeah, no, you do. You there's there's things that you will sing about in, in heavy metal that I don't think any other genre would would do. And oh there is there's like a weird like bluegrass movement of of singing about some really messed up stuff. Um but that's like you know, you write horrible lyrics for um, aggressive, angry, dark music because it makes sense. Um, but then there's like there's movements of of just kind of juxtaposing that hilarious like upbeat banjo kind of planging music with with song like murder ballads um and so that also works like creatively but yeah generally the things you would sing about in heavy metal don't make too much sense 
to other styles of music and other other feelings. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, it absolutely does. Yeah. In in finishing, is there anything you'd like to plug? Oh uh, no. Okay. I'm not going to do that to you. <laughs> That's not why people are listening to your podcast. No, but I mean, you know, you're here. Uh, you got new, you do have a new album in the works, right? Uh, yeah, it's look, there's a single drop next week. It'll be out November 13th. Um, so it's, it's like the fourth release. Um, you know, on, on the, the note of lyrics, this is uh, the most personal I've ever been lyrically, um, where I actually decided to write some songs about uh, a personal experience or two. Um, and they weren't about killing people, Jess. So you can relax on that <laughs> Um, Thanks. Yeah, just to confirm. It's all right, man. Just, I know you were worried about me. Uh, we're, we're, we're I was. This podcast is not turning into something that will be played in court. <laughs> yeah, well, that was my main concern. Is that I'm, if anything, I'm going to at least have to not commit any heinous crimes because now I've got an hour and a half of recorded evidence of me thinking about it. <laughs> and a couple of albums of me confessing to it, pretty much. So. Well, good. We're, we're putting you on a nice moral direction. Then. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Keeping me accountable. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. This, this well, yeah, awesome. thanks. Yeah, thanks for doing this. It was thank you so much for having me. It was an absolute pleasure. All right. All right I'll, I'll leave you guys to enjoy your weekend. Cool. No, thank you so much for your time. This, this was yeah. seriously fantastic. Thanks for the great questions. Yeah, you did good. <laughs> it was enjoyable. <laughs> I'll chat to you later. Okay, right. Yeah, see ya. Bye. Cheers, dude. Have a good weekend. Yeah, you too.